got so many pictures of um, sausages. <laughs> um, the male kind of sausage and meatballs. Short ones or long ones? Oh, All dear. sorts of in, in this book, there's a, there's a whole chapter um, on them because I got that many of them. I can describe so many of them in detail because I just got graphic pictures. And there was one, there was one guy that was using his profile picture simply of his member that's all you could see not a face it was his it was his bit it was there you know like staring at you just even i can't wink but it kept winking but it was making that sound when it was winking <laughs> and it freaked me out yeah. to god and um and then he was like sort of nodding to the tablecloth and he pulled it up and he showed me that he had his hand on his yeah, I know, under the table. I spat my wine out and he did another wink at me. I was like, I'm out of here. So I legged it to the bathroom. <laughs> I climbed out of the window and I, I pegged it for the Leeds train station and went home. Oh, I got really relaxed, had a glass of wine. I took my shoes off and sat on the on the countertop and um, was watching him cooking, dicing up vegetables and meat for, for dinner. And uh, he just went quiet and he got the knife and he picked my foot up that was dangling on the on the on the countertop held it in his hand and put the knife gently from my toe right to the ball of my foot as if he was gonna cut me and I obviously thought at first he's joking but his eyes told me something different and I got that red flag in my head oh my god I'm in danger so I tried to make an excuse that I didn't feel well to leave and um, he wouldn't let me go. So I got out of it in the most craziest way. I mean, I didn't think logically at all, but I tried to play along with like a seduction thing with him. But I just remember having my handbag here and a packet of fags in between my legs when the police came, which was not very, very attractive. <laughs> and it was people dressed up in animal suits like Sonic the Hedgehog, like characters from from games, they're all <laughs> dressed up in these suits. And it was a sea of black tie, ball gown, and teddy bears everywhere. I, I thought, wow, what is going on? Hello everyone and welcome to a truly unique podcast today, a first for the channel I may add. We have an exotic author, LJ Brown, and she is the author of three novels based on, on a true story of her sex slash love life, I want to say, after divorce, currently writing a screenplay in hope to turn the trilogy into a movie. So your free books, I've got the titles here. We have A Year of Tiramisu, A Year of Sinatra and Perfect Imperfection. I think today we're going to go back and start with the first book, um, A Year of Tiramisu. But before we get into the sordid details of that novel, um, can we have a little bit about your background, please? Oh, gosh, where do you want me to start? <laughs> Childhood would be great. Childhood, okay. Um so childhood wasn't so great for me. Um, came from a working class background. Uh, parents were divorced. Stepdad moved in when I was three. Um, he didn't like children, so it was quite an abusive um, uh, relationship between um, me and him. Um, 
yeah, I won't go into detail, but like it was pretty horrendous up until the age of 16. And then he moved out and uh, it was all over, but the scars were still there. So that moulded sort of into your first relationship, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. I think kind of um, when you've had a been in childhood, it spills out into um, relationships going forward. So then I got married after university um, to a guy I barely knew. Um, we were married really quickly and got pregnant on the honeymoon. Um, and then it was a bit of a nightmare from there on. Oh. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, we'll go over that. You got pregnant on the honeymoon. Yeah, I got caught on the honeymoon. Yeah. Oh, it's really no. crazy. This, um, we, we went to Greece to get married, Catalonia, and I got pregnant with my son there too. <laughs> really, really spooky. Um, but yeah, yeah. Fertile land. Yeah, fertile land. Yeah, on the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, where did you meet your first husband? We'll go back a little bit. So, yeah, so I finished university and then um, got a really good job, but not in what I was studying. I ended up in recruitment um, and I um, bought my first house by the time I was, oh my God, 24. I used to throw house parties every month because I was a party girl. I worked hard and I played hard and he turned up to one of my parties and we just kind of sparked a very... um, common interest drinking and yeah that were it <laughs> he chased after me for like ages and then asked me to marry him on on Christmas Eve so it was yeah and I thought it was wonderful you know it was just like this huge burst of new energy in my life so I thought yeah I'm gonna go for it and um so yeah we got married really fast and then got pregnant really fast <laughs> So I've got to ask, being that I know what's to come of this podcast and how promiscuous you are, what was your, I'm going to word this carefully so it's YouTube friendly, what was your horizontal jogging experiences like with your first husband? Um, Not very good. I don't know how we made two babies, to be fair. Like, we just didn't have any chemistry in the bedroom at all. You know, it was very kind of like, oh God, turn the lights out, let's do it in two minutes and get it over and done with. It was just not... You know, it didn't even last longer than a countdown clock. It was just horrendous. <laughs> it really was. Um, but yeah, so I think, you know, in the first stages of things, it's for the first like year, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? And you think that you're having good horizontal jogging, but then, you know, when you get out in the real world and and meet other people, you realise that that was never very good at all. So, yeah, but we stayed together for 12 years. So it was a long, long marriage, but um, he was, um, it was a, another toxic cycle, really similar to my stepdad, quite abusive. Um, he took a lot of the um, white powder, drank a lot, you know, so it was, um, really hard for me to leave as well because I had the children and I didn't even though I knew that he'd have custody part-time over them if I left I wouldn't want them in that situation without me being there so I just wouldn't leave him until the kids were old enough and then and then I found him cheating and that was like the final straw and I left. So can I ask how you found him cheating? Um, so he had been um, doing it through email and obviously he was um, 
he was out to work and I was at home. So um, he went off on business trips a lot to, I think it was Slough. Um, and every time he went, he must have been meeting up with her. So I, w I would never have known if I hadn't have accidentally logged on to his Gmail. I thought it was mine. I woke up tired and I was like, wow. I think there was like a whole year's worth of messages. It was reading them was really hard to take because um, it just like outlined what they'd been up to and picked him out. <laughs> what sort of things did the uh, email say? Um, just like he actually the worst one was he said that he loved her so you know I was his wife so it was that was heartbreaking for me it, it felt like I'd been winded even though we're in this horrible toxic relationship you just expect your husband to be loyal even with it being you know pretty bad but he wasn't and it hurt so we never recovered from that one line <laughs> but it was the other stuff you know like that he 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 didn't get me he got her and because no to listen to childhood and so there was a massive connection between them that we didn't have when I was married to him so it was it was really hard to read yeah when, when you was in that relationship and um, what sort of a was it was it more verbal or was it physical yeah, he's, he'd do it in front of everyone as well, like his mum and his dad. He'd, he'd mm. call me the C word and, um, yeah, he just he had no respect for me at all. He, he he was just really, really loud and he got progressively more and more and more drunk. And as he did, he kind of just lost lost it, you know. And it, he, was, he was fun at first for the first few drinks, a good laugh. And then it went downhill and he got really aggressive, slammed doors, put windows through it just you know it was I remember having to lock myself in the nursery with the with the kids with the small kids and just like barricade it because I didn't know what was going to happen next um so yeah it wasn't it was not fun it was not fun um it was really hard being a parent and I really struggled I lost loads of weight because he was drinking so much we never had any money so I didn't eat so that the kids get, got fed. And, you know, it was just like stuff like that that just went on forever and ever in a day. Um, and everyone so, told me, leave. So, and I, I did yeah. eventually. <laughs> yeah. So when yeah. you found the emails, was that like the straw that broke the camel's back, really? You was like, that's enough now. I'm done. Yeah. yeah I mean, like I, I sent an email. So I obviously read the emails and, um, I replied to all and I said, what the <clears throat> is this? So they both got the email at the same time and knew that I, because I'd signed it, my name. And so they knew that I caught them. And I, I phoned my husband up immediately and, and he just put the phone down on me. He just panicked. Yeah, 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 it was horrible. Um, but hey, I think I've uh, kind of got my own back after leaving him <laughs> with my success. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. I mean, what a piece of work. But so how was it moving on from that toxic relationship? Did you get involved with someone quite quickly? Did you take your time? So, Did you go on um, dates? So I, I went really big into exercise to kind of, because I was really angry, um, angry at life, you know, angry for like the whole lot of it being just a, a storm of poop <laughs> so I um went to the gym and I got like in the best shape I'd ever been in like lost nearly three stone in weight I was absolutely ripped I got hair extensions fake tan a lot you know and I turned into this like babe to make myself feel really confident before I went back out there 
Um, I moved out, got my own place, loved it, could make mess whenever I wanted to, didn't have to wash his underpants, didn't have to do any, you know, cooking for him, didn't have to you know, have the house spotless because he loved me to be tidy all the time. I was messy. I just got a dog because he hated animals. <laughs> I just went, I went for it. And me and the kids were just blissfully happy. We were just out of that situation, you know, it was wonderful. Um, and then one of my mates said, look, yeah, I think I was 36 by the time I'd gone. And they said, uh, you've got to log on to the online dating scene. It's all the rage. You know, we'll help you write your profile. It'll be fun. You get back out there, build your confidence up. So um, I created this profile one night after quite a bit of wine. And uh, I, it just went mental. I think I got like... 500 messages in a week <laughs> it was just absolutely insane i needed a pa to be able to manage it it was just crazy um so then i i went on i went on a lot a lot a lot of dates i went out for dinner i went to the cinema um i went for walks i did everything you know like but some of the people that i met were oh it was absolutely insane so that's um then I met this guy um, and he introduced me to the friends with benefits situation, which I never really understood before because I'd I've always just been in back-to-back -back relationships all my life and I'd never had to date before. And this guy um, who I nicknamed Mr. Fancy Pants in the books was really hot. And he just said, you know, just while well, you're adjusting to divorce, just have a little bit of fun. So we did. So I was dating and I was having him and he was dating and he was having me and this carried on for about 18 months. And I mean, that sounds like the perfect situation to be in in any accord. But <laughs> so fun. we're going to go back to you've been in a 12 year relationship. Uh -huh. <laughs> what was your first date like after after that? Um, so the first person that I went to bed with on the first actual date, the first person I went to bed with. Um, um, each. Okay, the first person that I um, went to bed with was nerve-wracking because I'd had the same um, special wand for 12 years. So it was kind of like, what am I going to do with a new one, you know? I didn't even, I, I was so, so nervous. And <laughs> um, we literally, we, we did FaceTime each other. So, you know, it made me feel really secure about who he was. His dating profile was like an essay. It was amazing, but he'd written that he was scared of velvet, which I found quite strange. It's an odd thing to be scared of. I immediately thought vampires, coffins, all that sort of thing. <laughs> anyway, um, it was funny. He was Irish and he was, it was a really good laugh. So he literally, I didn't have the kids. had gone to the dad's for the weekends. We did it every two weeks. Um, I got some wine, I got some tiramisu in <laughs> and um, we flipped a coin and he turns up at my house and his profile pictures were, they, they looked really hot and even when he FaceTimed, he looked really hot. But when he turned up at my house, oh my God, <laughs> it's like, oh, you're so attractive. <laughs> so yeah, so the heat was there immediately. And uh, we sat down on the couch and we just talked for about two and a half hours, um, just flirted and talked. And then he leaned in for a kiss and then we went up upstairs. 
But um, we were really drunk. I mean, we'd probably between us had a couple of bottles. And uh, I said, I'm really, really nervous about about doing it with someone new. Um, were you humour? Were you just like, do something funny? And I just, I'm really random. And I said, put my stockings and suspenders on. <laughs> just dance around the room. So we tried all my wardrobe on, my, my heels, everything. And he was dancing around and put music on. And it was hilarious. Absolutely. It was so funny. Um, and then we did, we were doing, in the middle of doing the deed. And um, I cried out his name. And he kind of stopped. And I said, what's the matter? Because I thought I was doing something wrong. And he went, that's not my real name. <laughs> he said, it's just what I use for my dating profile. I was like, oh, my God. So I knew that he was obviously married or a weirdo. So I chucked him out. And that was that. Never heard from him again. But I'd done it. You know, taking the step forward. <laughs> Yeah. I think a lot of people use um, fake names on dating websites. Yeah, some yeah. of them do anyway. Yeah, yeah, the dodgy ones. <laughs> what, um, what was the weirdest message you got on on one of the dating sites? Because there must have been some strange requests um, from some male members. I got so many pictures of um, sausages. <laughs> Um, the male kind of sausage and meatballs. Short ones or long ones? All oh ones. In in this book, there's a there's a whole chapter um, on them because I got that many of them. I can describe so many of them in detail because I just got graphic pictures. And there was one there was one guy that was using his profile picture simply of his member. That's all you could see, not a face. It was his. It was his bit. It was there, you know, like staring at you as if to say, date me and you're going to get the horizontal talking. Um, so, yeah, it was I got I got hundreds of them. And I know it's not uncommon because I've spoke to loads of my girlfriends and they've said, oh, yeah, as if you like are going to sleep with them after that. You're just not, are you? But it just happened all the time. It's something that guys obviously think is attractive to women. Guys, it's not. <laughs> It's not. Have you ever been on a date with someone who has used that as their profile picture or sent a picture of that nature? Um, no, I haven't. I never I never decided to do anything like that. But I did go on a date with someone that revealed himself while we're at dinner. Um, if you want me to on. talk about that one. So um, this guy was one that refused to FaceTime to, he said he was shy and he didn't want to, do the the, the FaceTime and I, that was always my kind of check-in safety point um but he was he was messaging really really well and it was very well put together and he spelled his English was very good he spelled really well and I like that so I kind of thought oh, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt so I turned up at a, a restaurant in Leeds and the guy was four foot so on his dating profile he'd said that he was like over six foot so he'd lied about his height um, and I was really shocked because I'm really, really tall. When I put heels on, I'm six foot. So I was literally up here and I had to bend down, almost like down to the floor to shake his hand. Everyone was looking at me. I was so embarrassed, but I felt sorry for him at the same time. So I had dinner with him. And, 
as we um as the evening progressed i was drinking this this comes up a lot i was drinking a lot back then and um and he just started getting really suggestive and he i can't wink but he kept winking but he was making that sound when he was winking <laughs> and it freaked me yeah. out I swear to God. and um and then he was like sort of nodding to the tablecloth and he pulled it up and he showed me that he had his hand on his yeah i know under the table i spat my wine out and he did another wink at me i was like i'm out of here so i legged it to the bathroom <laughs> i climbed out of the window and I, I pegged it for the Leeds train station and went home. Oh, I couldn't believe it had happened. <laughs> it's just so weird. Just so weird. But I mean, I generally call the cops on someone for doing that. That is, yeah. that's disturbing. Yeah, it is. It's really disturbing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I got that sort of thing a lot. Just fake people. Um, right. Because before we continue, I, I've got to got to point this out that the the. the like premise behind your book, A Year of Tiramisu, is yeah. you went on a, a hundred dates in one yeah. year. I did, yeah, yeah. A hundred dates. I mean, that that deserves a round of applause in itself. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah. you've clearly been catfished by a, a short man wanting to be tall. What other yeah. terrifying or terrible experiences have you had? Um, <laughs> so many. <laughs> <laughs> um, I went... Um, I, I, I went to another one at Leeds. I went to Leeds a lot because Leeds was local to where I was living. Um, and I used to put on Facebook, if I'm never seen again, I was here last. I'd always take a selfie as where I was going and tell my mates where I was going so that, you know, because I was scared, you know, for my life because all these dates were just getting, getting quick. They nearly put me off at one point, but um, I'd gone to meet um, this guy who seemed really nice but he was quite young and yeah I think he was about five or six years younger than me and he, he was kind of putting like all the abbreviations in text that I didn't understand you know like I just you know he was kind of like a little bit too young um but I thought I'm gonna go because I'm at a loose end and he seems normal he wasn't like over the top with anything he was just and he didn't text me too much it was just kind of enough um, I got, got to this bar where he said he was going to meet me. <laughs> oh, my God. This person tapped me on the shoulder, and it was a woman. And she said, uh, are you LJ? And I said, yeah, do I know you? And she said, I'm your date. <laughs> so I was like, um, no. And I showed her the picture on Tinder of my date, and she went, that's my brother. He sets me up on dates. <laughs> I couldn't speak. I couldn't speak for shock. So my mouth was just like wide open while I was looking at her and my heart was pounding in my chest. And all I could do was pick up my mobile phone and say, hello. Oh, my house is burning down. And I was like, my house is burning down. I've got to go. And I pegged it. <laughs> I mean, that's not the most convincing excuse, is it? But one didn't even ring. So she must have kind of gone... Oh my God, you know, but that, I, I'm perfectly within my right to run away from that situation. I mean, Again, did, you, like that. did you did you say that you liked girls or, I mean, what was the, the no, setup with this guy? No, right, why would he think you would want to date a woman? No, I know, so I, I have no idea what that one was all about. 
They were obviously mm. an alliance together with setting up each other on dates. It was sickly. So, yeah, just, oh, my God, that was horrible. So <laughs> that was another one. Um, I went on a date to someone's house. Um, this was outside of Leeds, and he was really, really wealthy. Um, he was making dinner for me, and we'd been talking for about two weeks. So he was... Yeah, so I thought this one's going to be a keeper. He's really nice. He's got he's got his wits about him. He's got some money. He's like literally sorted. He's not a loser. Um. Anyway, I got really relaxed. Had a glass of wine. I took my shoes off and sat on the on the countertop and um, was watching him cooking, dicing up vegetables and meat for for dinner. And uh, he just went quiet, and he got the knife. <laughs> And he picked my foot up that was dangling on the on the on the countertop, held it in his hand and put the knife gently from my toe right to the ball of my foot as if he was gonna cut me. And I obviously thought at first he's joking, but his eyes told me something different. And I got that red flag in my head, oh my god, I'm in danger. So I tried to make an excuse that I didn't feel well to leave and um he wouldn't let me go. So I got out of it in the most craziest way. I mean, I didn't think logically at all, but I tried to play along with like a seduction thing with him in the hope that I could like tie him to something and then run out of the house. It worked, and but it scared me and I ended up running out of the house with hardly any clothes on, just my bag and keys and I had to phone the police to come and get me. <laughs> Why did you have no clothes on? Because I was trying to um, seduce him so oh, that, right. yeah, but not, you know, I wasn't going to go the full way, but I thought that's my only way out of this situation. Obviously, this guy wants to have um, intercourse. Relations, yeah. So it's, it's, you know, that if that's what I need to do to get out of the situation and stay alive, that's what I'll how, do. How did you tie him up? What did you use? Ties um, in his top drawer by the bed. I asked him where they were, and he thought he thought it was really kinky. So um, yeah, it was very very scary. I just remembering <laughs> running that out of the house, making lots of little like yelping noises because I was like every I, I was lost in this house as well. It was like a maze. So I was like, where's the where's the doors? How do I get out? <laughs> so yeah, it was yeah it was horrible, but it was pretty much in the middle of nowhere as well. So it took me ages to get any signal to call the police. Um, and I was out in the dark. <laughs> so you got yeah. out of the house, talk me through. Yeah. You, you managed to find your way out of the maze. You're yeah, out yeah. in the street, you're wearing next to nothing. Oh. Yeah, so it wasn't, he was in a rural part. So it was kind of like country back lane. So it wasn't, I didn't get seen by anyone. But I just remember having my handbag here and a packet of fags in between my legs when the police came which was not very, very attractive. <laughs> I hope you're enjoying the podcast. I've got some exciting news to announce. Michael Francis is coming back to tour the UK in 2024. The remade man tour, the Michael Francis story. Michael Francis, once named one of the 50 most significant mob bosses in the USA by Fortune magazine, and a former member of the notorious Colombo crime family, will take you deep into the world of organised crime, sharing captivating tales and insights into the Mafia's past, present and future. Join us for an unforgettable evening with Michael Francis, the original Goodfella, 
as he exclusively sits down with myself, Sean Atwood. With me as the host, there's going to be a no-holes-barred exploration of Michael Francis's life, including his numerous arrests and jury trials that ultimately led to his pleading guilty to a federal racketeering charge, a 10-year prison sentence, and $15 million in restitution. You will have the unique opportunity to ask questions during an audience Q&A session, making this event a must-see for true crime enthusiasts and anyone curious about the underworld. Don't miss this explosive in-conversation with Michael Francis. Live on stage in the UK, this exclusive in-person event will be held in various locations in the UK, Ireland and Scotland. Link in the description box below this video if you want to grab yourself a ticket. Back to the podcast. Cheers. So what did the police do? They just um, put me in the back of the car, got me a blanket and told me about Stranger Danger. I got like a really harsh word about it. They're running on the computer, said there was nothing that was known to them about him and that I just had a really bad experience but um you know um being naked in public is quite illegal so not to do it again I mean that sounds pretty dangerous in the dating scene did that deter you from going on more dates um for a for a few weeks I um and it's explained in the book I did I did back out of quite a few dates I felt a bit shaken by it um I told a few of my friends and they were like you could have ended up dead and that's not cool. So you need to not ever do that again. And and then it was, they were like absolutely on top of where I was and we swapped numbers and addresses if I went to someone's house. But I tried to avoid going to people's houses after then. It was just going out, having dinner in public places, apart I from think, aunts, his house. I think when you do go to people's houses, it kind of gives them the idea that you're up for... Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you yeah. kind of have to do the the dating first outside. Yeah. What kind of red flags did you see through these dating apps that gave um, you a warning not to go? Yeah. So I think um, the worst dating app, um, if I'm allowed to say this, was Plenty of Fish. Um, it seemed to be the one where everyone, every guy was on there that was not serious about a relationship. They put that they were, but they were not. They were just, just there for hookup. Um, and I think I was quite vulnerable coming out of a relationship. I was quite vulnerable as a human, full stop. So I think they were like sharks, predators that could just smell new blood on on any of the apps, and they were straight in there with any of your any of your vulnerabilities. If they if they read your profile, they could see that you were not quite confident or you know a little bit unsure about yourself, and. Mr. Fancy Pants was one of those predators, um, the guy that had the um, friends with benefits situation with. Um, so most of the book is about how how that unfolded and it kind of warns women in a funny, sexy way that, that men um, are on dating sites, a lot of men, not all, because I know there's been some successful relationships on there, people have got married, but a lot, I would say 75% of guys on there just want to hook up. They're married. They have been doing this forever. They know exactly what to do. They just use it for bonking purposes. <laughs> I like your choice of words there. Yes. So 
Um, have you got any more fun, slightly embarrassing dating stories? Um, There's one with the tree. Can we talk about that one? Yeah, yeah if we can choose the wording for that one. <laughs> choose the YouTube-friendly words, oh language. God. Oh, my God. Um, oh, God, this is really embarrassing. So, <laughs> um, a few weeks after the... No, no, about three and a half weeks after the... Um, I call him the strawberry cycle, the guy that had the knife to me. I went on a date with a guy from school. So I'd known him all my life and I felt like I could trust him. So we, we went out in my local town where we knew everyone for dinner. Got We got all dolled up. We wore a suit and tie and it was really pleasant. Um, and then we walked back through a park that we used to go to school at. And uh, he said, oh, let's say it was dark. He was like, let's have a little bit of fun. I was like, what do you mean? He said, uh, let's do some Fifty Shades of Grey stuff. And I was like, what do you mean in the middle of the park? Um, so he like nodded to a tree. <laughs> and he, um, I just went with it because I, I was just crazy back then. And he, he said, put your arms up. So he tied me to this tree, took off his tie and tied me to the tree um, by my wrists. And uh, he pulled my top up. Uh, I wasn't wearing a bra underneath it. Um, and he pulled it up over my eyes for like a blindfold because we were going to have a little bit of fun and I thought oh no one's going to see us it's dark it's going to be fine um my heels were like sinking into the grass I just remember kind of being a little bit stuck <laughs> in this position and uh, he said give me two minutes I just I'm desperate for a wee so he wandered off and I could hear him having a wee which is gross um and then at next few minutes I heard him sit down he must have gone to a bench sat down and they were asleep I was he was snoring he'd fallen asleep drunk <laughs> so he just like I was like wake up you wake up and uh he got the snoring got louder and louder and I must have been hung to that tree for about an hour when a dog walker came passing by obviously it was dark so they had a torch Flashed me, must have seen my boobs, ran off, caught off, must have called police because they turned up and I, I could not believe I was in this position again. The police had come out and I was naked. And uh, so anyway, they assessed the, this, assessed the situation, um, got me down from the tree, got me dressed again, back back in a, a police car. But like when, when the lights went in and recognised me properly, I recognised him as well, and it was the same officer that picked me up a few weeks before at that guy's house. <laughs> he said, he said, blooming neck, I see you naked while I see my wife. <laughs> so it was like, it was the most embarrassing, ironic situation ever. And Becoming the local needle. <laughs> sank down in the back of this seat thinking, oh my God, my life. So I got another telling off, but a proper one this time. Um, what did, what did was, he say to you? Like, just, just behave? Yeah, just like, what are you doing? He could tell that I was drunk and he could see that the guy had fallen asleep on, on the bench. He's like, you know, you're, you're off the rails. You need to calm down. You're going to get in a lot of trouble. Um, and I was off the rails. I was going off the rails because I'd, I'd started to form feelings for his friends with benefits, fancy pants, and he just didn't want me, you know. It was, it was It kept pulling me in and then pushing me away and pulling me in and pushing me away. And I told him I got feelings and uh, it were messing with my head. 
and I'd started to go a bit like crazy with it. So I'd I'd started speeding up the dating process, drinking more and just yeah, going a bit going a bit mental. Um so anyway, I ended up crying in front of this police officer and uh, I think that kind of got me some leverage to the situation but um yeah god it was so embarrassing so embarrassing. It, it, it obviously <laughs> stopped you from getting nicked for indecent exposure so <laughs> on that level but um and I'm, i mean was this around the time that you met the other character in your book mr tagged oh god so he was like in between all of it he oh he <laughs> i live near a park and i had this crazy um crazy dog and he I was walking him in the park and he used to hump everything. Like I take him out and he just anything, any dog that was there, he'd get on it and hump it. And this guy, this guy, it was this guy's dog. So we were pulling them off each other and I put him back on the lead and he was just like, Don't worry about it. She's been done. And um and I was just furious with my dog. And uh, we just we laughed. It's like, can I buy you a beer at the park? Because there was like a cafe bar. So I said, Oh, um, I can't drink or I'll pick my kids up later. Um, do you want to come back to mine for a coffee? I'm so bright, aren't I? Like, the most ridiculous thing to do. But it was only two minutes away and I was freezing. Like, I'd been out and I was so cold. So I um, went back to to get a jumper and have a coffee. And uh, he was sat in my, uh, stood in my kitchen. And he said, look, I've, I can't stay because I'm on a, a bit of a curfew. I said, what do you mean? Like, are you 12? And he said, no, I'm wearing a tag. I've just come out of prison. <laughs> so in the time, so I sent him packing. But in the time I'd been upstairs to get a jumper and come back down again, he'd robbed me as well. He'd taken all the money out of my purse. So no. I, I was just absolutely, at that point, I was, I'm never going to find love. I'm never going to find a decent guy. This is a disaster. What's the point? Um, so it was around about then that I started to come off the dating apps and calm down a bit and think about where I was at with fancy pants and I was going to go and tell him next time I saw him that I loved him and I wanted a relationship. And I did. <laughs> Can and we... I don't think we've gone over how you met. Um, who is Mr Fancy Pants and how did you guys meet? Okay, so Mr. Fancy Pants was the second guy I spoke to on Plenty of Fish, just through chatting. Um, I found him really boring. It was kind of, yeah, he's, he, he was kind of really slow at coming back with answers when I was messaging him, so he must have been really busy speaking to other women. Um, but he, he was really attractive, and he wanted, to, he wanted to meet up. He wanted to meet up with me more than I wanted to meet up with him. So I... I, I went to, he said he had a really bad experience on online dating where someone had turned up and they, they weren't the profile picture. The lady was quite large. She was really drunk and it was really embarrassing for him. So he said that he hardly dates anyone. When he does, he wants it to be on his own turf and his own environment so that he feels safe and secure. So I believed him because I'm an idiot. <laughs> and um, I went to his house we drank wine, we talked, and we ended up having sex. Um, we ended up having, we ended up bonking. Sorry, you'll have to edit that. Um, but it was, it was an incredible first bonk, and it was, it was 
it really opened my eyes. I, I couldn't believe it. I wanted to go back the next day for another bonk. It was that good. So I, you know, I, I, I thought, oh my gosh, this is what it's all about. This is real sex. Oh God, I'm really sorry. I said it again. Um, so, so yeah, so we, we found each other really, it was really intense. We found each other really attractive and we just got each other in that department and we explored everything. So I didn't have a clue about um, horizontal jogging until I met him, not a clue. And he completely re-educated me on it. And he, he turned me into a bit of an infomaniac with it. So I wanted it all the time with him because it was just so good. Um, but in the process of that, he he didn't communicate with me. So he'd, he'd see me and then two weeks later, I'd hear from him again and he'd block me and he'd ghost me. And yeah, he just, he was, he, he didn't want anything serious. And he made out at the beginning that, you know, he wasn't one to, he didn't want to settle down and come out of a marriage and he just wanted a friends with benefits situation. Um, but we'd been doing it for over 12 months and you can start to get feelings. You can't help but get feelings for someone after that period of time. Um, and as soon as um, I realised that, I knew I was in trouble because he just he just did not want the same thing back. And he was really quite mean to me, to be fair. I, I'm absolutely certain, and I've written in, in the book that he's a narcissist. Um, he just loved himself so much. He had a fancy house, a fancy car. It was always about him. He never talked about my feelings. It always turned around onto his. Um, he was very sort of... Um, it, my opinion's the only opinion um, and he he kind of made me feel like I was going insane like I'd say do you remember this and he said no that never happened um, this happened and I and I had to second guess myself all the time so I felt like I was going insane <laughs> but I couldn't get enough of him so I was absolutely hooked with this guy um, and I wanted to give up all the dating and I just wanted to be with him um so anyway he ended up finishing it with me and it was at the same it was on the same day that I got made redundant from a company I'd worked from for a long time and I was in um I was in Manchester Manchester train station just thinking oh oh my gosh like I've been dumped and lost my job in in one day what do I do next and I was looking around at all the billboards with you know, all the beauty adverts and books and everything like that. And I saw the Fifty Shades and I just like a flashbulb moment. I thought, oh, I'll write a book. I'll write a book about what I've just been up to for the last 12 months. It would sell like hotcakes. Um, and it's a true story and Fifty Shades wasn't. So it's going to be, it's going to like sell out. So I just was convinced that I'd got a great idea and I phoned him up and said, I'm going to write about life what do you think it'll make us it'll make me money I said you know and then I'll be out of this terrible situation of being a single mom and and, and I've hoped that he'd pull us back together and, he, and he'd fall in love with me because I'd written him a love story and he just blocked me and that was it like completely and utterly forever finished I know and you never heard from him since? Um, yes. So we broke, we broke up and we didn't sleep together again. 
Um, but he only left my life communication wise four months ago. So we've been in contact for nearly six years off and on. Um, he's been in and out of relationships. He goes for really pretty younger women. Um, so you, you just drop to a heartbeat if you find someone better, but they never last because I think all of his people that he's been with have said that he's a narcissist too. And it's just, yeah. So, I'm uh, not being funny. This guy sounds like a right douche. Yeah. 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 So it's just funny because I'm, I'm completely over him now. But at the time when I was in it, I felt like my world was ending because he didn't want me back. But looking at it now, he's, he's not, he wasn't worth my time. I shouldn't have even gone on a second date with him. I shouldn't have given him any of my time. However, I've written a book and I've started my career because of him. So I don't believe in karma. But I think, you know, it's gone full circle. Do people come into your life for a reason, don't they? Yeah, yeah. To kick so he's done you a favour. He's done me a favour, yeah. And, it's, and for all single women out there that have gone through this situation, because so many of us have. I mean, I've had so many fans message me saying, how do you know me so well? This is my life. I've been through what you've been through in this book. And and I just thought, well, no one's going to have gone through any of that. I'm, I'm crazy. But so many women, I mean, hundreds of fans have messaged me and said, I've had exactly the same situation happen to me. I've had a Mr. Fancy Pants. So yeah. you reckon there's a Mr. Fancy Pants for every woman out there? Probably so, yeah. We all have a massive infatuation on someone at some point, don't we? And it was not love between me and him. It was an infatuation. I was in, totally besotted with this guy. It was really unhealthy. Um, but he taught me how to bonk and he... He brought out the writer in me, so, you know. I think sometimes you always want what you can't have. I think I the more mysterious they are, the more you kind of are drawn yeah. to it. Yeah. And poison. Your... Yeah. yeah. What's your wildest story from your dating? Have you got another story from, from your dating days? Oh, God, I think I've told you all of the top ones. Um can't think of any more off the top of my head. They're just, yeah, just... What I mean, about your your most actual romantic one? Like, was there someone who, like, blew off your feet? Like... Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, you must think, well, I am, I have been a little hussy, to be fair. I went on, <laughs> went on a client visit to Birmingham, and this was after me and Fancy Pants had split, apparently for good. It was a really last minute thing. I had to wear a ball gown. Um, I had to get totally dolled up. I was late getting ready. And so when I got to the venue, the bar was empty apart from this one guy that was sat at the other side of it. Um, I was standing and he was sat down and he was in a in like a tuxedo. And uh, I looked at him and he looked at me and it was one of those bang moments, you know, where you just go, wow, what was that? It was it was huge. It was like a bolt of lightning between both of us. Um, by the time I'd paid for my drink, he'd gone. Um, and I was thinking about him all night. I'd gone to my venue, sat down. The room was dark. It went on forever. Um, I was bored to death, so I was drinking. And I walked to the toilet and I got this grab on my arm. 
and it was him it was in the same venue as me like what the chances there were so many different venues that were there so um and then he spoke and it was it was from belfast and oh melted and melted like instantly and it, it, I, when he touched me it was like electricity like it was just oh it was unbelievable so <laughs> so he said can i buy you a drink at the bar and i, I said yeah absolutely i'm just gonna go freshen up and i'll meet you there I opened the doors to go to the bar and two venues had been put into one and it was absolutely, I thought someone had put LSD in my drink because they put this thing, this this other conference was called the Confuzzled Convection and it was people dressed up in animal suits, like Sonic the Hedgehog, like characters from, from games. They were all <laughs> dressed up in these suits and it was a sea of black tie ball gown and teddy bears everywhere. I, I thought, wow, what is going on? So I went to the bar and I asked and I said, oh, put, they've merged. And I couldn't see him, I couldn't find him. Um, so I thought, that's it, I've lost him. And I couldn't stop thinking about him, but just mingled and networked and handed out business cards and got more and more drunk. And um, this this guy, it was really late, it must have been like one o'clock in the morning. I was, I was so drunk, I was starting to sway. Um, this really unattractive man tried to pull me and I nearly I nearly gave into it. <laughs> he grabbed hold of my hand and he pulled me out of the situation. He was like, I'm sorry, I got like I got completely tied up with colleagues. Do you want to get out of here? So we went to this casino, um, which is in the lobby of his hotel, and he said, Right, I'm sobering you up. <laughs> Uh, and I said, "What? You don't want to have? You don't want to have? Um, you don't want to have horizontal jogging with me? I don't know what use the word to use because <laughs> I'm not allowed to use that word." And uh, he said, "No, I want to get to know you. I'm getting you a coffee. Come on, let's sober up together." So we sat in this cafe. Um, he put his jacket around me. He was a total gent. He sobered me up, and um, I told him about the book that was about to come out and he was all in all that he was in the presence of an author and he just he was just absolutely perfect and we were it was like I'd never not known him you know I thought oh my god this guy's the one so I know I know so we ended up going upstairs at about four o'clock in the morning and we got into bed and we didn't do anything we talked again for a while I ended up having a few tears about fancy pants. How like awful is that to like lower the mood? But I did. And he was so comforting about it and so lovely. And then we did in the morning we did, we we ended up having and it was amazing. For the first time it was just like, wow. Um and we swapped numbers, but I must have written a digit down wrong and I lost him. No. Lost him, yeah, I lost him. So get this. <laughs> Two years later, I got an email from my publisher saying, I presume this is from you. And it was him. He tracked me down. Yeah, I know. I know. And is that in the the next book? So we can't yeah. go too much into it yeah. Yeah, tonight. Yeah. And uh-huh. so people will have to amazing. watch out for the part two. Yeah, so romantic. I love that. Really romantic. So, oh. And he was honestly the most handsome Belfast man um but yeah we, we just we just clicked and obviously something was good for him too for him to find me 
took a lot of guts to do that, I guess. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and the rest is to be revealed because there's another guy in the mix as well in this story, The Silver Fox. And we'll get to that. But have you ever had, one of my friends, she went on quite a... I'm trying to find a polite word to put it, a ridiculous date where mm -hmm. he, on their first date, flew her from Bristol to to Scotland, <laughs> took her to a restaurant uh -huh. and then flew her back. Ex extravagant then, date. Wow. Have you ever had quite an like extravagant date like that? I have flown somewhere to go on a date, but it's for the next book. Oh, it's for the next bit. We'll hold on. So I've got I've got a couple of questions about your um okay. obviously your your dating experience. Yeah. So would you say going on that many dates was good for your self esteem? No, I think it absolutely shattered it because I yeah I I didn't get anything positive out of it. I just got people wanting to sleep with me, not wanting to have a relationship with me. So they only saw me for one thing. They didn't even try to get to know me. Um, so it was it was frustrating, it was difficult, it was soul destroying, to be fair. A lot of people I know have gone out there and met someone straight away and they've been lovely and it's worked. I just got the absolute pit of men, <laughs> the worst kind of men possible. But in saying that, if I hadn't I wouldn't have been aware of them being out there. I wouldn't. It's it's built an awful lot of character. It's and it's it's taught me now to respect myself, and I don't do any of those things anymore. So I, I know that I must have had really low self esteem to have gone and slept with so many guys, and you know, let my guard down. And but I was on a spiral after divorce, and I'm not excusing the that is, I'm not making it as an excuse but I think a lot of people go through that you know they just they just want to have a blowout after being with the same person for such a long time and being so bored and being so trapped and um but I think yeah. you probably expected your life to go one way being married and having children yeah. and you think that's your ever after and yeah. then when it does go wrong you're you're back to sort of square one again and you're finding yourself so you're healing, but that yeah. in that time you're still vulnerable. So it, yeah. it's difficult to navigate through that. It takes a while, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you've got to kiss an awful lot of frogs to find your prince. I'm still looking. <laughs> <laughs> that was a proper witch's laugh there, I did. <laughs> Don't I know it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he might be watching this. Um, so no, he's, so it does nothing for your self-esteem, but what, what positive advice would you give to women who are looking to get back on the dating scene? Um, okay, so um, I mean, I'm in the process at, at the moment, I'm rewriting a, a year, well, I'm writing another book called A Year of Tiramisu 2, because this was um, really meant to be a diary, not a novel. Um, I'm putting this story into an awful lot more detail and outlining the dangers and talking about narcissism and talking about self-confidence and self-esteem because it's not really fed into it. You just see a meltdown in this book. You don't really see 
like a, you know, I, this is the worst written book in the world, by the way. Like, I've just got started. I've just got started. Literally, <laughs> we're, we're advertising your book that. and you're like, don't buy this book. Don't buy this trash. It's toilet roll. <laughs> um, I would, my advice to women out there is to be safe and please be careful. Dating sites are dangerous. Um, but they are fun too. I don't want to take away the fact that, um, you know, you can meet you can meet the right person on dating sites. You can find the love of your life, and you can, you know, find marriage, etc., from them. But <laughs> I don't I don't want to get sued for this. I would not go on Plenty of Fish if you want a serious relationship. If you want to have a lot of bonking, go on Plenty of Fish. It's guaranteed. You know, you could have that in 24 hours or two hours it is literally like a production line of men that would like to do that to you so please be careful (laughs) um the other sites tinder's not great either um it's similar but not as bad as plenty of fish um i tried bumble and that's when a female contacts the guy first it gives you a little bit more chance to try and understand guys and get a bit of information out of them but I've found across the board that some of the guys are on all of them so just be really wary (laughs) they're on absolutely every single app and they'll say whatever they want to say to get you into bed um the only one that I found had an awful lot more respect because you had to pay for it um was match match match.com so if you go on match um, I think you have to like pay a yearly subscription or a monthly subscription. Um, and you do seem to get people on there that are an awful lot more serious about dating. Um, at my age now, there's the um, the over 50s dating and all that jazz that's out there and elite dating and the rich people dating. But there's, there's, just, so, there's just so much choice out there and You've got to really vet people. Never go to anyone's house unless you have, have been on several dates with them already in public places and you feel like it's safe to do so. Don't go straight into someone's house. You, you could end up like me. It's just not safe. Um, and, yeah, just, I don't know, tell people where you're going. Tell your friends where you're going. Um, check in with them when you get back. Uh, do not... Uh, give yourself to a man on the first day because they will never call you back. Um, and if they do call you back, it's only for one thing. Uh, so, yeah, these are the things that I've learned, I guess, on the on the dating sites. It's not a bed of roses, but there is hope. There is hope. Have you seen on the back, I, I noticed when I was in a pub recently, on the back of the toilet door, they got that thing. Um, you go to the bar staff if you're having a bad day and you ask for Angela... Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So, I mean, have you ever had to ask for Angela on a date? No, I just climb out of fire escapes or windows. I'm like... <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, God. So, I mean, we, we're coming to the end of the first podcast of your, of your, you know, 100 dates in one year and yeah. year of tiramisu. What mm. have we got to look forward to on part two? Um, so, I my second book is called The Year of Sinatra. Um, this was my uh, proudest book. Um, I, I love my third book, but this is where I met someone and 
um, fell in love. So, but it's the most explicit um, book I've ever written. So there's a lot of detailed um, experiences with um, one person. So it is, it's not like Fifty Shades at all because it's a true story, but it, it nearly got banned. So um, it's a little bit of a warning, but there's a wonderful story of me becoming an author through it as well, going on BBC Radio Leeds, um, how my thought process has changed. And it shows you growing me growing up in this book. Um, I was very immature here. I'm starting to grow up here. In my third book, I've just become this whole different person. So it's just, it's like a case study of a human evolving through experience and love and 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 lots of yes adult time there's another word for you <laughs> yeah i've got i've got to stop you there what what is that you're wearing tonight it looks very um, risque so it's one of the outfits because we decided that we were going to wear outfits from i did a lot of dress up and uh, role play in the books <laughs> so this is one of the outfits from me that I was wearing one of the actual outfits from me and the silver fox one of our rendezvous are you a, are so, you a police officer um yes police officer wow. she's impersonating an officer isn't that a crime yeah. uh, I think I've been in trouble enough already, don't you think <laughs> <laughs> sorry officer <laughs> thank you so much LJ thank I've just noticed it says JJ Brown on your or thing um we'll see if we can get that changed but thank you so much for coming on today and so where thank can you. people head if they want to buy your book um so a year of tiramisu and a year of sonata on um, Waterstones and WH Smith's um, they're on Amazon. You can find it on the Pegasus Mackenzie Elliott website to my publisher. Um, they're all over the internet. You can actually get copies on eBay now. It, they're everywhere. So, because they've been out since 2000, well, this one's been out since 2018. They've got quite a bit of legs on the internet. So, you can get it pretty much anywhere. Um, but yeah, Amazon seems to be the most popular one for sales and Waterstones. Brilliant. <laughs> and if they, do you have any socials people can follow you on? Um, so I've been off social media, but I've got an Instagram now. So um, we'll pop that on the end of the podcast. In the yeah. link in the description box below yeah. this video. Yeah. And thank you, RJ. And we will see you soon for part two. And thank you for all the viewers for putting up with us for the hour. So <laughs> thank you, guys. That was great. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. If you're looking for a gift, my new book, Sit Downs with Gangsters, is available worldwide on Amazon. We've interviewed over a 1,000 people now, and we selected 10 of the hardest-hitting stories to go in this book. Each chapter features the story of one of our podcast guests. Those stories are Shane Taylor, Knife Maniac's Redemption, John Elite, Mafia Hitman for the Gambino Crime Family, Joey Barnett, 35 years in UK prison, Ian Blink McDonald, £6 million bank robber, Chet Sandu, Asian smuggler in Spanish Supermax, John Lawson, the hit team commander, David Macmillan, international smuggler's tie death row prison escape, John Abbott, San Quentin prison shootout and escape. Michael Francis, Colombo crime family capo portrayed in Goodfellas. And Wildman, English enforcer in Arizona prison. Link in description box on YouTube, available worldwide on Amazon. Also, my next book, Untouchable Jimmy Savile, is getting published in December 2023. So check that out as well. It will be available worldwide on Amazon. 
Thank you for listening. Cheers.